You're listening to the RSA Conference podcast, where the world talks security. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this installment of our RSAC 365 podcast series. We have a great podcast lined up for you today. Could 2021 be the year of product security? Here at RSAC, we host podcasts twice a month, and I encourage you to subscribe on SoundCloud or your preferred podcast app so you can be notified when new tracks are posted. And now I'd like to ask our guests, Megan and Patrick, to take a moment to introduce themselves before we dive into today's topic. Megan, let me turn it over to you. Great, and thanks so much for hosting us uh, today, Casey. It's always awesome to be back with the RSA crowd and to be speaking uh, to the audience. My name is Megan Sanford. I am the Vice President, Chief Product Security Officer for Energy Management at Schneider Electric. All right. I'm Patrick Miller, and I also would like to thank everyone, and it's great to be part of RSA again. Uh, I am an independent industrial control systems security advisor and currently the U.S. coordinator for the Industrial Cybersecurity Center out of Madrid, Spain. Megan, Patrick, thank you both so much for joining us. And, you know, while we booked this podcast a few months ago, the the timing is really quite fortuitous for us, uh, given the week that we've had. So I want to start with looking at ICS security through the lens of this week, uh, as, you know, industrial control systems are definitely front of mind for many now. Although every news outlet has reported on the hack to the water system in Florida. NBC News reported that the lye poisoning attack in Florida shows cybersecurity gaps in water systems. I'd like to hear from each of you about what this attack reveals about the vulnerability of our critical infrastructure and what needs to happen to better secure these systems. Sure, Casey. So from my standpoint, I think that there's a ton to unpack there. I think that anytime a critical infrastructure uh, is involved in a news headline involving some type of purported cyber attack, you're going to see the public and everyone else take intense interest in that because everyone fundamentally understands that critical infrastructures are the backbone of our way of life. Everything that we depend on is provided um, from these assets and their services. And so, number one, you have kind of the shock impact from news of you know, kind of yet another attack on this type of infrastructure, especially with the infrastructure being water, which impacts everyone. That's a clearly very well understood segment that people tend to pay attention to. And secondly, with this attack in particular, it's really kind of another call to action for the community and the cybersecurity community as a whole to take note of the fact that there's obviously still tons and tons of assets and systems that have direct internet-facing exposure, meaning a lot of things that anyone could really pick up um, reading about this latest attack is that this was not something of a very sophisticated nature. The information and the data that's coming to light within this shows that a relatively low-skilled attacker could have easily found this asset and the devices that it had. I believe that it was a remote access type of solution that that came into play in this case, but that the product is directly exposed. And when you are directly exposed, it's very easy to gain access to this product and then to move laterally down within the OT infrastructure, which is exactly what we saw in this case. And so, again, it goes back to shock factor for this case the public understanding that this did not require a high level of sophistication. 
And then really the additional call for support within the community to do more to diminish um, these attack surfaces, which are still pretty broad, despite the assets uh, being critical infrastructure. So that's kind of my my quick take on that. But I think that anyone within the ICS security community was probably not alarmed by the nature of this attack. Um, but again, keep in mind, this all has to deal with, in my mind, the maturation of product security, OT and ICS security as a very specific and specialized yet separate domain within cybersecurity. Yeah, I'll echo that. I would say that the uh, industrial control systems community was certainly not surprised. We see regularly these systems on the Internet. Uh, There's been several projects trying to identify them and notify the asset owners and that kind of thing. Uh, It's a really challenging problem in that a lot of these organizations they're, frankly, at least in the water space in particular, a lot of them are, I don't want to say underfunded, but they're probably not as funded as they could be or should be. Um, as such, it comes down to, you know, the products that they buy and the skill sets that they're using. And as we saw, at least in this particular case, uh, they had, you know, one person that was trying to manage lots of different things, which makes it, of course, you know, the harder it is for the tool to be managed or the more cumbersome it is to be managed, uh, the, obviously the less care and feeding it's going to get. Well, of course, you touch those things to the internet, and now it's, it just becomes, you know, the wild west. Of course, you're, you're plugging it into a cesspool for, for no, you know, all intents and purposes. So it's uh, it's certainly no surprise that it was affected right by an, an attacker. In a lot of cases, we still have to remember that critical infrastructure, you know, is designed in certain ways to at least um, withstand, we'll say, events. Right. Um, so, like in this case, the ability to poison some uh, water supply with enormous amounts of why. In some cases, there are physical limitations to what's going on, but nonetheless, uh, it certainly gets the public attention when you talk about, you know, potential hacks on water systems or, or power systems or anything that is, you know, obviously running our daily lives. Patrick, I know that you also joined us for the January summit just a few weeks ago, and you held office hours in the ICS sandbox. I, I believe you're coming back to join us in May. Can you maybe talk yep. to our listeners about the evolution of product security as it relates to these industrial control systems and that, you know, convergence of IT and OT and the efforts to bake security into products that companies are delivering to customers and why this remains to be maybe even what Megan pointed out, a very sort of exclusive subset of the cybersecurity industry. Sure. There's a lot in that question. So, Traditionally, we did this, you know, with analog uh, machinery, frankly. There was pumps, valves, you'd turn them by hand, you'd operate these things by hand. And in a lot of cases, our ability to get readings or what we call, you know, sensors um, was a dial, right? It would sense pressure and it was an analog device that actually physically measured the pressure and you'd have to walk over and look at it. Over time, we've done this, of course, with digital components that are much more capable in terms of giving you better readings, more data about what's happening, and then you can distribute them in a much larger degree throughout your operation and get a lot more data about your operation, get more efficiencies, and, of course, all of the fantastic automation that comes. You're not rolling a truck or sending a human out to perform a function. You can operate that from somewhere else, a control room somewhere, or, you know, another facility. So as that technology has matured, you know, our first shots at this, um, there wasn't an Internet, right? When we started the digital move a long time ago, 40, 50, 60 years ago, 
there was no internet. There was no connectivity. So it was built with that premise in mind that these things just don't have connections. Over time, of course, um, the boom for the internet and the desire to get more automation and more data about your operation, uh, all of those moves have driven us toward a much, much, much more digital. Uh, I guess really the only path forward is digital. There really isn't any other path. You can't well, you can buy analog equipment, but pretty much it's only on, available on eBay. <laughs> There's not many vendors that sell analog stuff anymore. So given the fact that it's a digital future, your what used to be OT, um, you know, and ICS technologies, they're starting to look, look a lot more like IT in a lot of ways, and they have a lot more capabilities than they ever did before. And what used to be like the size of a refrigerator for like an RTU is now, you know, you can get them multiple RTUs and it's something the size of an iPhone or something like that. So um, eventually this technology is going to look more and more like just T. It's like it's going to be just technology. It won't necessarily be IT or OT. It'll just be which purpose are you using it for. Um, it still has its purpose built kind of mindset in a lot of cases just because it's the design of these has to be such that safety is factored in. So with a lot of the IT components, you're really thinking about more of security where you're protecting the machines from the people. And then there's the safety side of it where you're actually protecting, you know, the people from the machines. So that component is what really sets the IT and OT spaces apart is, you know, if these devices have problems, if they fail, whether it's through environmental issues or or something else or human issues, right, they're designed to kind of withstand an all-hazards perspective. So IT stuff isn't really done that way. It's not designed or even implemented the same. So there's the big difference there. But as we move forward, it's going to be digital. And the product security space, oh, goodness, it's on a rapid maturation pace. So there were many years where we were lamenting, you know, this these woeful product security uh, for, for many of the vendors out there. And they've done great things. Megan's doing a great job of turning a lot of these products around in ways that, you know, they were hardened for environmental purposes and all in that quote unquote all hazards for the day. We're now having to include that cyber component as another one of those hazards. So that is, is changing. It's getting much, much better. So you've seen um, more and more of the vendors are producing things like, you know, vulnerability notices. Some of them have bug bounties for their products. They're taking this seriously. And it's, it's been fantastic for our space and that we get a much higher degree of reliability, security, and safety out of our, you know, critical systems that are running our, our world. Patrick, this is Megan, and I absolutely agree with you. And I think as we talk about the topic of maturation, what was a really cool development within the past year was the formation of the ISA Global Cybersecurity Alliance. And it was really the first time that ICS vendors got together, the Schneider Electrics of the world, the Rockwell Automations of the world, the Johnson Controls, Honeywell, uh, this team of chief product security officers, they got together and they said, we really need a dedicated forum, a neutral forum that we can work together on common issues that transcend the ICS security industry to better enhance and identify ways that we can better support our customers and increase the security user experience for them. And I always make a point to describe product security in two sides of one coin, and that product security, first and foremost, should be identified as the security functionality that we bake into our products. So things like hardware-based root of trust, uh, renewable security, things like patching, certificate-based authentication, failure reporting, defense in depth, all of these are functionalities and capabilities that need to be present within the products and systems, which in turn 
help the user in securing not only the products, the systems, but their entire environment. And so having that taken care of, the second side of the coin is the way that we test our products before they go out the door, meaning that they've gone through proper threat modeling, they have security requirements, that they're consistent, that they're interoperable with the system, that uh, there's redundancies built in. All of these things need to be tested before products ship out the door. And so that's how I like to kind of familiarize the audience with what product security is and maybe what it is not as it's compared to traditional enterprise cyber, which is concerned with the strength and the security of the entire uh, company's network and the dev environments and, and things like that. So product security and enterprise security, it's definitely not a an or strategy. It's definitely an and strategy, and that's why you see many companies have identified this as a growth area and where you would have a chief information security officer, you're now seeing that role partnered with a peer role, which is the chief product security officer, which looks out for the security interests of the products and the company's customers. Megan, I want to follow up on that because I know this question of whether product security will be sort of the new security frontier is one that's critically important to your work as a chief product security officer. So can you talk a little bit about what that question means to you? And, you know, you mentioned that um, that partnership of working with the CISO. And how do security teams and developers, how should they be approaching product security? How does everyone sort of work together toward this common goal? Sure. And thank you, Casey. And, yes, I love the question uh, because, again, we go back to that word maturation. This is a really exciting time to be in your career if you're working within product security because, truth be told, there's a lot that we can learn from CISOs and a lot of fundamental table stakes, I'd say, of security programs that they solved for 10 years ago. And so it's really exciting to be along in this journey and kind of be in these um, very action-oriented roles where the product teams are serious about security They want to learn more. They're very hungry to learn more. And to the extent that we bake security directly into their development pipelines and the way that they just code and and do business every single day, that's the way that we become successful is by enabling those product teams and incentivizing good security behavior. And so it's a lot of working with product management, which is exciting, and offers and marketing and communications and and legal, it's kind of like running a shared service that directly supports the enablement of the product. And to me, I like gadgets, I like products, I like technology. That's always been an interest spot to me. So, you know, kind of bringing the conversation full circle back to CISOs, I have loved the security strength of CISOs, and we have so much to learn from them. At the same time, I'm kind of a gadget geek, so I like products. So for me, this was like the perfect marriage of being involved in running security programs, yet being really close to the product and what companies exist to do, which is to offer products and services to their customers. So it's an exciting challenge in my mind. And I think that you're going to see, or I would at least make a bet that If you look at the list of Fortune 500 companies today, you know, I'd be lying to you if I tried to give you an accurate percent of how many of them 
have chief product security officers, but if I had to just throw a number out there, I'd say that it's probably between 20 and 30%. And within the next five or 10 years, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if 99% of Fortune 500 companies um, hired chief product security officers to be in a peer and parallel role equal to that of their CISO. Yeah, Megan, I'll follow up with that. I think the chief product security officer role is a fantastic thing, just the the movement in general for the product vendors to have an open door with respect to vulnerabilities. There were years where it was, you know, um, lawsuits or denial, and that's turning a corner, and we're actually seeing a lot of organizations. They've got a front door for their you know, vulnerability disclosure, and they've got a great path for working with researchers um, externally. And then internally, they've got their own, you know, as secure development life cycles, right? They're adding a lot of these things into the hardware and software that they're making. So that is, you know, a fantastic thing to see as, as someone who has to try to secure these things out there in the real world. Uh, so I think it's finally being taken, uh, you know, seriously at the product level that not only does it have to, you know, meet certain quality specifications, but security is part of that as well. You know, when it goes out the door, it's, it's got to meet another, you know, yet another new specification, and that's tied to the security components. So seeing this change, uh, and I would certainly love to see that if it's in the next five to 10 years, 99%, I'm hopeful that it can be the same. I think I'm, I'm that optimistic as well. It's actually showing value to the organization. It's showing value to the business because, you know, not only are the customers asking for it, but it does make for a more reliable and better product overall. So it's not just one of those add-on things that you bolt on anymore. It's actually being built in uh, from the start. And if there is something that was in some way, you know, overlooked or uh, was done incorrectly, there's there's a response for it, right? They're, they're now actually taking those situations seriously and fixing them and releasing updates and making it easier to manage those updates as you go forward because updating something in a real, you know, a, like a live power system or a live manufacturing operation can be challenging. So they're, they're not only, you know, turning the corner from, understanding that this is an issue and taking action, but um, how to make it better over time and refining that process for both themselves and for the customers. I love that you both recognize the need for product security and the value that it brings to the organization. And I know that we're particularly talking about ICS systems and OT, but Patrick, to your earlier point, you know, very soon it's just going to be the T. There won't be an IT or an OT um, and so I'm wondering why this focus matters, if it does at all, outside of the industrial control system space. And what are some of the consequences for not shifting or broadening the security team's focus to include product security? You know, Megan, you have this, you know, hopeful uh, vision of 99% of those companies five to 10 years from now would have a chief product security officer. But what are the consequences of not moving in that direction for organizations? Product security in general, I think if you expand the concept of product security, we're, I mean, all of, all of cybersecurity, whether it is OT or IT, uh, we're securing technologies, right? And those are almost all of our products today are some form of technology. So any organization, any enterprise, um, whether it's, a, you know, an OT side of an operation still has an enterprise side. Uh, but in, in general, we're all securing our products. And I think that the product security component now, uh, you know, is, again, it's not just the design for whatever its purpose is, but it also needs to be designed in a way that uh, you can actually keep the humans from impacting it as much as possible, you know, obviously within reason. Uh, there isn't perfect security, but, the, you know, the more they do, the harder they make it for the attacker. So I think 
shifting your security team's focus uh, to product security, it's already there. I think it's it's expanding um, the concept of what we're doing with respect to product security. So, uh, you know, it, again, it's more of those as we buy our products and we buy our technologies, there's often a race um, to bring in new things that have not been well tested. And I think the push now isn't so much to stop the innovation, right? Because that's, that's virtually impossible. But it's uh, knowing that hopefully at least the product vendors, as they innovate and as they create new things for us to, to purchase for our operations, they're beginning to bake in the security components uh, from the start, right? So there's all of those things that are built into the mature side of a, you know, maybe we've been making these widgets for 50 years or 100 years, and they've got all of the history behind that. But as new things are invented, they're also brought in with that same mindset for, for new technologies and for new products. So in general, almost all, you know, cybersecurity, whether it's OT or IT, is really a product security discussion because, again, we're really trying to secure products. Patrick, no, I I loved everything that you just said there. And it's funny, one way that I, I frequently, you know, describe this expansion of product security is that product security in and of itself is a lot like being compared to brakes on a car, People may think that we have brakes on a car to slow us down, but that's actually not the case at all. Brakes on a car are actually what enable us to take turns faster, to more aggressively uh, negotiate risks on the roadway because we have this extra mechanism in there that enables us to go faster. And so product security, again, is not something to slow us down or to um, restrict devices to the point that they just don't have a good user experience. Product security is to enable us pushing these boundaries to push the capability of intelligent devices that are being created to make our lives easier on a day-to-day basis, to push the boundaries when these devices talk to one another in the state of hyperconnectivity. Everything is becoming increasingly hyperconnected. We're seeing increasing efficiencies from that. And people want to live in a day and age where they feel secure in taking advantage of these benefits that help our day-to-day lives. And so I, uh, I view product security as a great enabler in where the world is moving and the efficiencies that we're going to get from technology. And with that, I really think that for this to grow in kind of a streamlined and thoughtful and grow in a way that it's not hindering people, I think that the user experience really has to be kept in mind. I remember one of the keynotes at RSA last year, it seems like forever ago now, um, is that uh, has the pendulum of security swung too far in some directions? And it was really neat that the speaker took the example of preschoolers. They know how to engage a nine-character password to open up an iPad before they can recite their ABCs or count to 100. And so as a society, we really have to ask ourselves, is this the way that we want to be embedding the user experience of security? And so I think that if we move forward by uh, creating standardization where we can with uh, common standards like IEC 62443, we all get a baseline table stakes maturity of product security. We really need to double down and focus on what is the experience for the user and how does product security just become more of an everyday welcome uh, part of life rather than something that we feel is, is being acted upon us or something that we don't have good control over or, again, a good user experience. So that's my standpoint. That's really where I predict things will be leaning more into the future 
is this dual engagement. I really love that analogy of I've never thought about brakes on a car that way is like, you know, the, the tool that enables me to actually take the risk of going faster. That's a really cool analogy. Megan and Patrick, before we wrap up, do you, either of you have any parting words for our listeners? In general, we're all, we're all really talking about a supply chain issue. There's always the question about supply chain security, and, and I think what we're seeing is this is yet another step in making the supply chain you know, security better. You know, Megan mentioned IEC 62443 and standardization. If, if we can get all of these organizations out there to, you know, whether it's through chief product security officers or similar motions, I think there's a general trend and a general push. There's a, a realization of the value of product security. Uh, we're, we're eventually going to take down a lot of those supply chain risks. And there's there's some fantastic models out there, whether it's, you know, certain things like bills of materials and, and many other approaches. Those are difficult for vendors in a lot of cases because it hasn't been done before. Um, that movement is happening. So in general, you know, as, as someone who recommends products and implements products and helps users secure their products, uh, I'm seeing a lot of good, solid traction uh, in product security and in supply chain security, despite all the things that we're seeing out there today, whether it's the solar winds attack and many other things, those are certainly, you know, visible issues and wake up calls. But in general, uh, the needle is definitely moving toward a, a better place, at least with respect to products coming out that are more secure as they hit the consumer's hands. And that's a, a definite trend that's uh, worth, you know, worth following and paying attention to, to, to continue that push keep empowering people like Megan out there doing this job for us to, to get these products more secure as we go through this. Great. And thank you for the shout out, Patrick. We'll, we'll always take any cheering on that we can get in the product security arena. Really want to thank Casey and the um, RSA crowd for hosting us today. Again, I appreciate any opportunity to talk about the benefits of product security and the considerations and just gaining more general awareness, I think, is what's going to continue to, to move the needle going forward. And I would say if you're a person working in traditional cyber or working in controls engineering or any of these peripheral fields, um, I invite you to join us to, to get engaged, to learn more about product cybersecurity, to learn more about OT and ICS security. And I can tell you that there's never a, a boring day in the office I get to, you know, examine many different types of technologies every day, many different types of connection types. Um, it's always constantly evolving. This is definitely a hot field to be in right now. So uh, come join us because we definitely uh, need more of you all. Thank you both so much for joining us today, Megan and Patrick. This has really been a very fascinating conversation. Listeners, thank you for joining us as well. Please keep the conversation going on your social channels using the hashtag RSAC, and be sure to visit rsaconference.com for new content posted year-round. Also, subscribe to the RSA podcast on SoundCloud or your preferred podcast app, and stay tuned for our next podcast. Interested in being a guest on our podcast? Visit rsaconference.com to learn how to become a contributor.